I was talking to somebody just the other day about this service, and I said, you know, Christmas Eve, our goal is to do a one-hour service. And they said, well, you're not speaking then, are you? <laughs> I said, hey, I can do it short. I can be brief. And uh, so that will be my attempt tonight, but hopefully uh, brief but relevant and, uh, and effective for us tonight. Um, if, you can, if you're visiting with us tonight, um, you can see we've been participating in something by some of the banners called the Advent Conspiracy. And the Advent Conspiracy is an attempt that a bunch of churches all around the world have been participating in to say we want to take back Christmas. That Christmas has kind of been commandeered by everything other than the celebration of Christ's birth. And that we as a, as a group of churches literally around the world have been saying let's get back to the real meaning of Christmas. And as we've been doing that, we've been talking a lot in our church, in our services for the last four weeks, about giving and receiving gifts um, during this season, because that's what we think about so often. And we've been evaluating why we do what we do. Why do we give gifts? Why do we give the type of gifts? And could we make some adjustments in how we do that to maybe make it more meaningful? And, and for our congregation, it's been very meaningful. We've had, it's been a great time of really kind of discovering the, the real heart of, of Christmas as we think about giving gifts, you know, um, you may be poised right now, getting ready for Christmas Eve and tomorrow Christmas morning, uh, to give some really wonderful gifts to somebody. Uh, you may have that special something that you know your wife or your girlfriend or your child um, has just been longing for. and It's going to be that wonderful gift. And maybe you're going to be the recipient of a really incredible gift this year, one that really shows you um, that the giver cares, and, and we've been talking about that a lot, that the cost of the gift's not really the important part, that the kind of gift that a dad often keeps is, is the one that his little child made out of, out of uh, um, just crafts and crayons, and they hang it on their wall forever. Remember when we moved overseas to Cambodia, we had to be very selective about what we could take. And I remember thinking the things I took along, most of them were handmade or very inexpensive gifts that people have given me over the years and my kids have given me over the years. And so um, you may be ready to receive a really great gift uh, this Christmas, and I hope you do. But I want to tell you tonight that, um, that none of us giving gifts can com come anywhere close to giving the greatest gift that has ever been given. And that's the reason why each of us is really here tonight, whether we know it or not. That none of us can give the gift as great as the gift that was given tonight, the gift of, of Jesus himself. The Apostle Paul, in writing about um, Jesus as a gift, had something really interesting to say in the second letter that he wrote to the church of Corinth. And it's the one very short verse that, or actually part of a verse, that I want to focus on tonight as we spend our time together. He had something to say about giving of the gift of Christ to the world. And, and he said this. He said, Thanks be unto God... For his indescribable gift. He looked at Christ and, and said, Thanks be unto God for this gift that God has given that's indescribable. And friends, I think for thousands of years, 2,000 years, people have been trying to describe the indescribable gift. Something that we often try to do. We try to you know, have our kids do stuff to display the greatness of Christ and, and talk about theology of what it means for Jesus to come, but, but really, it's an indescribable gift. You know, musicians have composed some of the greatest music ever written in the history of humanity in an attempt to describe Jesus. 
one of my favorite um, music compositions that I love to hear every single year, and we hear it at Christmas time, is Handel's Messiah. And some of you love hearing that also. And, and you think of it, it was written in an attempt to try to, to um, express the greatness of Christ and somehow capture the spirit of who Jesus is. We all think of the beautiful Christmas carols that we sing, the hymns. We sang a number of them tonight. Um, over the last number of weeks, I told Suzanne as she selects our music, I said, when we get about a month out, inundate us with Christmas songs. Partly because you like them, but partly because I like them. And because they are just incredible expressions that people have written to try to express how great Jesus is and how wonderful it is that we receive this gift. Songs like Joy to the World and Silent Night, Holy Night, No Little Town of Bethlehem. Some of the greatest music ever composed was written about God's indescribable gift. And if you think about it, over the years, poets and painters and sculptors have taken up their tools of the trade to pay tribute to Jesus, the gift of God's love that we celebrate on Christmas Eve. But we have to admit this, that all of them, like the Apostle Paul, have to conclude that Jesus really is the indescribable gift. You know, I think there are some reasons why the Apostle Paul, who is much smarter than I am in thinking about Christ, had to come to the conclusion that Jesus was indescribable. I think the first reason that he probably concluded that Jesus was indescribable was because of the unique nature of Christ. And I want us to think about that for a few moments tonight. Just think about how do you describe a baby born of a virgin? How do you possibly talk about the fact that a baby was really born, but that it was really born of a virgin child, of a, of a young girl? How do you describe God in flesh walking upon the earth? Well, we know that God is, is uh, beyond human uh, reason and ability to understand, but Jesus came and he walked in flesh upon the earth. Isaiah the prophet said this. They said that Jesus would be called Emmanuel, meaning God with us. How do you describe that? What words can we possibly choose to describe that? How do you describe that which is spirit when all we have ever known is that which is physical? How do you describe a God who is all knowledge when all of us live in a world where we're reminded every day that our knowledge is incredibly limited? How do you describe God who is all-powerful when, when all of us know there's incredible limits to all of our power? You know, how do we describe God being eternal? How do we say that Jesus is eternal, that he always was? Just think of that one thing, and we can't comprehend it. He always was. He has no beginning, and he has no end, that he goes on forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever without end. How do we even comprehend this indescribable gift of Christ. The Apostle Paul said that we can't. He said that words aren't adequate, but what we've seen that many of the wisest people in the world have tried. And when I was thinking about this, I was reminded about something that I read years ago, something that was written about 400 years after Jesus was lived and born and died and rose from the dead. In, in 451, a group of the wisest theologians of the day 
got together and they were the greatest theological minds and, and they got together in a place called Chalcedon and, and they wrote something that historians call the Chalcedonic Creed. And in that creed they tried to, to, to describe Jesus. They tried to do what Paul said couldn't be done. And they said, you know, we can do this. We need to, for, for all of humanity, we need to describe Jesus. And I want you to hear how they describe Jesus, these incredibly intelligent men. It said, perfect in Godhood, also perfect in manhood. Truly man of a reasonable, rational soul and body, co-substantial and co-essential with the Father according to manhood, in all things like unto us without sin, begotten before all ages of the Father according to the Godhead, and in these latter times for us and for our salvation, born of the Virgin Mary and of the Mother of God according to manhood, one and the same Christ Son, Lord, only begotten to be acknowledged in two natures, inconfusably, unchangeably, indivisibly, inseparably, and in the distinction of the natures being by no means taken away by the union, but rather the property of each nature being preserved. Did you understand any of that? Do you have any better understanding of who Jesus is after they try to describe him, the greatest minds of the centuries, 400 years only from the time of Christ, and they got together and they, they understood who he was and they, they had the revelation from the word of who Jesus is and they looked and they said, that's who he is. Friends, his nature is beyond us. We can't understand him. We, can, we, we, we can't really put into words who Jesus is. So his nature is one thing that we look at and which it confounds us and says, how do we understand who Jesus is? Now, I think there's another reason why we can't really describe who Jesus is. And this isn't something of the realm of theology. This is something of the realm of, of experience. We can't really understand who Jesus is because we really can't seem to grasp an understanding of his effect upon us when we come to know him as Savior and Lord. You know, when you open up your gifts, whether you open them up tonight um, or you open them up tomorrow, you know what, the the Christmas gifts that you get, I'm going to bet none of them is really going to be life-changing. You know, none of them is really going to alter the entire course of your life. You know, a new necktie is not going to really change your world. Even if somebody went out and bought you a brand new car, it really wouldn't alter your entire life. You would still be who you are. Even if somebody went to the extreme and and this was the night that he popped the question and you were proposed, now that would change a lot about your life, but you would still be who you are and life would still be what it is. But when we accept Jesus... When he becomes our Savior and our Lord, when he becomes the gift that we open up at Christmas time, when we really come to know him and we unwrap the gift of Christ, well, friends, we're never the same again. We're changed somehow on the inside, and it's hard to really describe that. Think about this. When we accept Jesus, we are forgiven of our sins, and, and we can maybe get our hands around that and our mind around that. But the Bible says we're not only forgiven of our sins, it says also our sins are forgotten. Well, I can understand the sins forgiven thing because I can do my best as a human being to try to forgive somebody when they do something wrong. But, but I, like you, know that when somebody does something against me and it very hurts deep, that when I, try, when I forgive and I try to forgive, you know what, I'm not so good at forgetting. It's not really human to forgive. We also often say that, well, forgive and forget. Well, I've learned in the, in the years that I've lived that forgiving might be one thing, but forgetting is another. How can it be that God does that when we come to him? One second, it says I'm guilty. I'm, I'm, I'm guilty of sin and I'm condemned because of it. And I come to Christ and the very next instant, 
I go beyond forgiveness. The Bible says I go into a state with Christ as if I had never sinned. And you know what? We can't really comprehend that. It goes beyond our human limitations. Or think about this, that when a person comes to know Christ as their Savior and Lord, the Bible says that we become adopted into the family of God and we become citizens in His kingdom. It says, before I was a foreigner and an alien and I was separated from God in relationship, but now because of Jesus, I'm an adopted son of Almighty God. And it says this, that everything that belongs to Jesus also belongs to me. Rich or poor, famous or unknown, doesn't matter what family we're born into, when I come into relationship with Jesus Christ, it says, I enter into the family of God and everything of Christ's becomes mine. And the Bible says something amazing, something that we can't hardly comprehend. It says, we're then seated in heavenly places with Christ. Now, I live in life with my feet firmly on the ground. But Scripture says that somehow spiritually and in reality in my life when I come to Christ, I'm now seated in heavenly places with Jesus. Friends, that's beyond my comprehension. Or think about this. When I accept Christ, the Scriptures tell me that the Holy Spirit of God begins to work in my life, takes up residency and begins to work inside of me. That we understand God from Scripture revealed as a, as a triune God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and that the Holy Spirit of God somehow begins to take up residence within me and do a work within me. And now the Spirit of God Himself will guide me and counsel me and protect me. And as I, am open, as I open up my life to His fullness, He will work, the Bible says, supernaturally through anybody who allows the Spirit of the Lord to have have operating access in their lives. And Jesus taught something amazing about this. He taught that by His Spirit, that He would do greater things through us than He ever did Himself. If you've ever taken a Bible and read your, your Scriptures, just open up to the book of Acts or anywhere in the Gospels and look at what God did what Jesus did when he was on the earth, and Jesus looked at, at you and me and says, because of my spirit, I'm going to do greater things through you supernaturally than, I, than you could ever do yourselves. How do we understand it? How do we comprehend a natural person functioning supernaturally? Well, friends, we really can't. We really can't because it's beyond our comprehension. It's indescribable. And one more thing I was thinking about. How do we, how do we get this? How do we grasp this? That when I accept Christ, the Bible says, He gives me peace. Matter of fact, it says He is the Prince of Peace. And maybe you've come in here tonight and you're you're living in a life and life's anything but peace. It's it's all turmoil. Well, Scripture says that when we're in a relationship with Christ, one of the things He gives us is He gives us peace. And He says this about the peace. He says it's not a peace like the peace of the world, but He says it's a peace that surpasses all ability to understand. He gives us a peace that goes beyond all comprehension. It's, it's indescribable. It's, it's unattainable to understand. He gives us a peace that allows me to cope with everyday situations, and that's wonderful. But he also gives us a peace that allows us to overcome life's most difficult situations when we come in relationship with Christ. Friend, how do you describe to somebody how you can be at peace when everything around you is in turmoil? You really can't. What you say is, it's all about Jesus. It's all from Christ. 
and really when it happens, when you're in the middle of the storm and you sense that peace that surpasses all comprehension, you say, Jesus, it's all about you. It's all because of you. We get peace. Church, how can we possibly describe the great gift of Jesus this Christmas Eve? We have to conclude with the Apostle Paul that we really can't describe him. You know what we simply need to do? We simply need to join with the Apostle Paul and in essence fall on our knees and give thanks to God for his indescribable gift. And my hope for you this evening as you begin your celebration of the Christmas season, as you enter into these upcoming days where you are going to celebrate with friends and family, is that you will honestly take some time and give thanks to God for His Son Jesus who's come into this world and has come in to affect us in incredible and life-changing ways. And I would say this in closing. If you hear all this and you say, but I've never known Jesus like that. I've never known Him to change my life. I've never known Him to, to bring me peace. I've never known Him to affect me the way you're talking about. Well, then I would challenge you this Christmas, open up the gift of Christ. I simply ask you to say this, Lord Jesus, I know that I need you and I know that I'm separated from you, but Lord, I ask you to come into my life, forgive me of my sins, and make me your child. And the Bible tells us this, if we pray that simple prayer from our heart, that something incredible happens, that God receives us, and we become children of God. And all those indescribable aspects of the Christian walk become yours as you ask Christ to become your Lord and Savior.